0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Being the Work. I want to say thank you so much for being with us and for clicking that icon and spending some time with us today. Uh, Blakely's not able to make it, so I've got Sarah here with me today. Sarah, say hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. It's good to see you. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. Uh, Sarah is uh, an old... Classmate of mine from our master's degree, like, is it 11 years now or 10? How uh, long ago 11, was that? I think
1: 11 years now.
0: Okay. Um, Sarah, uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Say a little bit about, like, why you're here? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> you're like,
1: oh, I don't <laughs> know. I'm,
0: being on mic is weird. It is. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Um, I feel anxious. Um, (laughs) We're happy to have you.
1: Thank you. I was briefly in the field before staying home with my babies, um, who are not so little babies anymore. Um, Nine, seven, and six now. Wow. I jumped back in the field for a minute and got reconnected with you through
0: supervision. It was both weird and really cool. Like, oh, my word. Like, yes, of course, (laughs) this is going to be fun. And then imposter syndrome set in like, can I do that? (laughs) Uh, Can I be her supervisor? But that's always sort of my default setting is uh, uh, ooh a risk. I don't know. New things. I don't know. But the irony is I get so bored. I get so bored with things. I'm always looking for something new. And then I'm scared to go yeah. do it. When you decided to, when you were like, yeah, I don't think that all of the professional hoops are the things that I want to jump through to, you know, have something, uh, I guess, work out in the mm-hmm. profession like this. I remember you saying... What did you say? You said something like, "I just want to be where you're at, but not have to do it for the yeah. next ten years yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, i if I were you, yeah. I would agree with that. <laughs> I would totally agree with that, and um, yeah, so I recruited you for this because you were so consistent and task driven and organized and all of the things that I'm not, <laughs>
1: yes, we have established I am not a dreamer. You
0: are this. <laughs> yes, I am a balloon <laughs> that just wants to float around all over the place. And you are the string that keeps me attached to yes. the ground. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> look, keep me grounded just a little bit. I'd also throw in Blakely is a balloon as well. Yes. Um, we just want to float around and look at the sky and look down on the earth and not make sense yes. to anyone else.
1: I am. I am not that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But I am a good string. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Keep us attached. We need. We need that. We need so, that for sure.
1: Speaking of that, so tell us why we're here today.
0: Yes. Um. So the question I had was, what's the difference between empathy and compassion? And because I think. That there is, I think there's a link here to compassion fatigue, empathy, stress, um, secondary traumatic stress, whichever we want to call it. Um, And just a quick side note, everybody, I think we just need to start calling it empathy, stress, and strain. Um, And we'll get to that. But, anyways, my question, Sarah is what what are your thoughts really quick just on what might be the difference between empathy and compassion Oof. that feels so tricky because at,
1: like if when i first think of those things they feel so similar to me they do right like i don't know that i, have, I don't know that i have thought about the distinction that would set them apart
0: yeah. Agreed. Uh, and and that's well that's the first reason that I <laughs> I thought about this question was whoa whoa whoa. What's the difference? What's the difference? Because I was listening to the podcast is called The Weekend University and they had a Compassion fatigue expert on her name's Francoise Matthew. And I loved that episode. One, because I'm a geek and I love to geek out on people who are experts on things. And another reason was because she made me think about this for sure like what the difference between empathy and compassion is. So that got me started on this question. And something that I've really like associated with really tightly through my personal and professional development is being empathic. Like when when I was at, when I was in our master's degree, we took the strengths finder and empathy was number one. Empathy was way up there. And so I'm just going to go down the list here really quick of, of what empathy meant to me, because I'm just looking at my notes from, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago. And it says, sense, sense emotions of others, intuitively see point of views, hear unvoiced questions, anticipate people's needs, and non-competition non-competitive. At the time, um, because I've taken this several times in my career over the last 10 years, but at the time, 10 years ago, I also had a strength called connectedness. And that was basically... um, I'm just going to read it cuz I don't want to get it wrong cuz it I feel like it's really poignant here. The faith in links among all things. Connectedness believes there are few coincidences and that almost every event has meaning.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: To me that really brought in my faith. Particularly it was very strong back then. And I didn't know how often I was practicing it. Um seeing and that's what I would have have said was compassion back then was this idea of empathy and connectedness and a desire to help. Mm-hmm. And so what I when I got into practice this, when I got to practice this, I remember uh, it was at my first job, and I remember it very uh, viscerally was a story that a woman told me about her sexual abuse. And my empathy was really on point that day. Like the idea of being able to, what did it say? Sense the emotions of others, intuitively see her point of view, hear her unvoiced questions, um, everything she said. I was so in en- enraptured by, uh, not because it was interesting, but because I wanted to know so much and help her feel not alone. That I physically started to feel the sexual abuse like in my stomach and on my skin and things like that. And, and I would say that that was my empathy, like the ability to feel it all so vividly
2: Mm -hmm.
0: was my empathy. And unfortunately it's not, I don't think that's compassion. So Francoise Matthew, in this episode on the weekend uh, the weekends university, was talking about how, um, when when the concept of compassion fatigue was being, like developed, there were a group of, like, she wasn't really clear about who it specifically was, but these these people who who were buddhist were saying no 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 compassion cannot be fatigued mm-hmm. compassion is not something that it is like love it is something that is undying and that is is just the energy and that's there and so i was like that is that makes so much sense to me my empathy is I feel intuitively, I, I intuitively feel that my empathy is connected to my own resources, my own energy, my own strategic thinking, my own imagination,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and not focused on helping her. Like it's a tool that can help me know what she might need. Mm-hmm but not a tool that I can lean on and protect myself with. Particularly because I feel like I have, well, maybe not. I was going to say I feel like I have um, more of a a strong uh, affective empathy where Mm -hmm. I can feel emotions more vividly than I can guess people's point of view. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where I start. Like I have to connect with someone to know what they might be thinking. Otherwise I'm like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking, but yeah. if you talk to me long enough and we've, we vibe together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I could probably anticipate what you're thinking and what you may want and what you might be motivated by, but none of that protects me. <laughs> and so Knowing that, so what to do with that? So empathy is based on my stuff and my skills and also limited by the protection I give myself. Compassion, uh, Francoise Matthew was talking about this with uh, the Buddhist perspective that compassion is an action to help. It is a and it's paired with a loving kindness. So, I took that and I was like, I you know I've read stuff about this, and I went to, uh, the book, "The Places That Scare You," by Pima Chodron. and I read about loving kindness, which was this practice, which is this practice of nurturing a sense of l- love and well-being toward yourself and toward others. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, And it brought new light to this idea that you can only love others as much as you love yourself because like I can know what people want and I could wish well for other people. But if I'm not feeling grounded in well-being or love, or kindness (laughs) Then my default when I am in my emotion mind, when I am like feeling my base urges, when my needs aren't met, AKA when I am fatigued Mm -hmm. and overwhelmed and burnt out, I won't give a shit about anyone or anything, get out of my way. I want to play the Switch, I want to eat my pizza, and the hell to all you. That's what I'm not doing well, (laughs) right? Like, I, uh, I, that's a, it's a shameful and very real thing. Just human. And unfortunately, I have regularly forgotten I'm human. When I just am there to, um, when I think I'm just there to solve other people's problems,
2: right?
0: which is, that's BS. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I mean, when I'm well and I'm doing my work at a high level, I am able to hold that, the balance between wishing them well feeling what they're feeling and knowing it's not mine right where i can let them sit in the conflict and find solutions so that they feel more powerful i know that but when i'm fatigued and i lean on my empathy too much particularly Mm -hmm. when I lean on my empathy too much and I feel things too strongly without the protection of loving kindness, without the protection of knowing I can push that energy towards someone to give them loving kindness. um, When I don't do that, I'm left at the end of sessions with a sense of overwhelming responsibility, uh, and lots of, did I do that right? Did I do enough? Did I uh, do what I should have? Did was I on point? Was I do? I mean, it's a lot of like, a lot of that, which makes it nearly, well, just uh, there's a lot of suffering involved with documenting a session like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: when I'm feeling really self-conscious about what the, what the work was. Or not self-conscious, but more like just doubtful. Like, I could have done more. I could have done this. I could have, like, juked rather than jived. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of stuff. And so just I feel like I haven't said a whole lot about or I haven't gone into... The compassion nearly as much as I did empathy, so I think I want to back up a little bit, yeah, so this idea with there's two pieces there there's loving kindness that we from the Buddhist perspective or from at least Pima's perspective with with what I was reading is loving kindness is developing positive love and kindness towards self and others, and then when When compassion shows up, it is developing a wish or a a desire, that positive energy, toward um, the reduction of suffering. So it's sort of like the positive version of this energy is love and kindness but we draw from love and kindness to provide compassion to those who are suffering. And Mm -hmm. Pima talks about it. Uh, Brene Brown has quoted her on this, that compassion is to suffer with. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And what I usually took that as was being willing to take on suffering with that person And what I realized that I misunderstood was being next to a person who is suffering doesn't mean that I have to feel what they feel, uh, but it means that I am there with and giving, like holding this tension of a dialectic and conflict that. This like I can be in the midst of suffering while mm-hmm. shining a light toward myself and them.
2: Mm-hmm. that's
0: completely different than feeling as if I have to suffer because they're suffering like mm-hmm. I don't know i get- i I guess I just get this um vision of someone drowning in a river and they're suffering and me having to jump in without a life vest or jump in without a rope or a team to rescue them from their suffering. That's empathy only. I feel like, Mm -hmm. but compassion is both empathy and life vest. (laughs) So I think an example, I just want to give an example. So if, if somebody wants to try to practice this, um, that they can they can kind of hear what it sounds like Yeah. to practice. Um, so loving kindness is sort of this, uh, gradual, gradually growing where we shine. This is, uh, I'm not an expert on this. So if it may if I'm sounding like I am, please know, I I'm just I'm just learning this uh, in these terms. Okay. So, anyways, loving kindness is saying to self and starting with self and then growing out from there, starting with self saying, may I know happiness, may I know the root of happiness, or some version that feels authentic to you. May I know well being, may I be filled with well being. And that it's not just the words, it's not the content that of the words that you say, it's dwelling on that and meditating on that and producing good feeling from it so that you can actually physically feel well in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then Pima says the next step is to go towards someone that is easy to shine that light on, to to give loving kindness to, and then to a stranger, and then to someone that you have a hard time liking, and and just sort of gradually getting harder and harder as you develop that skill. For suffering uh, or for compassion, this presence of suffering with is still the same practice, but it's, it's reciprocal, if that makes sense, where it's, may I know the relief from suffering? May I know the root of relief from suffering? And then shining that toward the person you're being compassionate with, may they be relieved from suffering? May they know the root of healing? Like, when I, pr- I so i practiced this this last week
2: mm-hmm. in
0: session i practiced this and particularly because i noticed i'm getting sucked in i'm feeling real empathetic i'm starting to really vividly start to feel like those mirror neurons firing and mm-hmm. i'm feeling the pain in my stomach i'm feeling the tension in my shoulders uh the the tension in my face and I say to myself, I sit up and I say to myself, may you know, may you know, love, may you know kindness. And then I offered that to them non-verbally. May you know love, may you know kindness. And I, my, my whole body started to relax. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what they're talking about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's some spiritual stuff that I'm feeling when I'm when I'm doing that. Like, oh, okay. That's not just technique. I because I could say the words and it mean nothing. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and when I practice that, knowing that I'm not the only one that has to fix this, like I am not responsible for all of this, that is too much to handle. And whew, um, so I, I practiced this and I'm like, immediately, all the tension that I usually stay, like stays with me for like 30 minutes after session, it was gone in the moment. I offered it to myself. I offered it to them. This wasn't an easy problem to fix. Like the, the problem that, that my client was sharing with me. Right, right. Like it was heavy. I felt it. I knew it. I knew the suffering they were feeling. And I started to empathize with that suffering and do the same thing I've always done. You got to feel it so that we can fix it. And I was like, no, I don't need to take all this on. I don't need to. So, anyways, as I've laid this out, this is my experience. This is how I'm understanding this. Empathy is the thoughts and feelings that we take on, that we have when we are uh, with another person, in their happiness or in their suffering. Mm -hmm. Compassion is... Providing self and others a willingness to be present and a hope that we feel love and the relief of suffering, but also that I'm tangibly, concretely going to do something to help you. Mm -hmm. Right. That if you need something, I'm going to do it, but I'm not just going to sit there with all of my empathy and think and feel all the things that you're thinking and feeling. Right. So anyways, the, with all of that, what's the implications of that experience for me with compassion, fatigue, empathy, fatigue. And this is where I go back to, let's stop like Francoise Matthew. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: She basically was like, uh, let's stop calling it compassion fatigue because compassion can't be fatigued. I mean, that's basically what she was saying, but not, Mm -hmm. But empathy is more of the thing that leads to fatigue rather than compassion. And even with, uh, I have an issue sort of with the term compassion fatigue too, because if anybody's familiar with the professional quality of life scale, compassion fatigue really is, the way that they conceptualize it, is burnout and secondary traumatic stress. They say those two things can like combined leads to compassion fatigue. So compassion fatigue for that whole system of thought
2: mm-hmm. is
0: really just two different concepts. And so it's like, okay, whatever. Anyways, pedantic, let's move on. Empathy for me is tied to secondary traumatic stress because I have, I have never forgotten what I thought, felt, Emotionally and felt physically, when I heard that one story of sexual abuse, I've never forgotten it. There are times that it has interrupted my thought process and my emotional process. Um, in my personal sexual experiences, it has uh, changed the way I. Like it it's still to this day, if I am not on my game, I I don't know, I experience a desire to avoid those conversations. Yeah. And if I'm stressed out on top of that and burnt out on top of that, I'm not doing things to help people.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm avoiding the thing and I'm not willing to help. It's been traumatizing secondarily. Uh it makes it, there's been experiences where I've felt aroused and hyper-aroused. I mean, not aroused, please. I'm not yeah. talking about sex here, but hyper-aroused uh and scared, avoidant of the conversation, and when it when it's happened again, there's been times I've mm-hmm. felt dissociated. Mm-hmm. Like I felt just disconnected and not wanting to engage.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But then also. I have assumed that empathy was very similar to compassion. And this new spin on compassion is like huge light bulb for me. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Uh, You mean to suffer with doesn't mean that I have to feel like I'm suffering. This reminds me of master's degree. There was one thing that. One of our professors said that I thought was just amazing. He says, he says, I was with a client and they were like, I have no hope today. I have no hope for that. This will ever change. I have no hope that this will ever change. And he says, well, let me hold that hope for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, naive, mm-hmm. young. And I'm like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> Like that's amazing. Yeah. I'm going to hold hope for people. Of course I take that into my profession and yeah you know, the first few years of my career I am like still the perfectionist student that I was growing up especially in my master's degree mm-hmm. and I'm like I'm going to get an A on every single therapy session um and I'm going to prove myself. Like I belong here, which is like toxic, right? Like, it's like, okay, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Like, what are you trying to prove? What are you trying to prove? Like, this is, this is toxic. Anyway, uh, it definitely led to burnout because I, my value was about, striving and achieving it wasn't about being a human mm-hmm. knowing my needs being grounded and centered in loving kindness or compassion it was sort of the the idea was i need to hold hope for people because people are suffering and all i see in life is pain mm-hmm. all i see in the world particularly i don't know this was just after the Iraq war, when I was getting trained, mm-hmm. uh, like during the Iraq war, I think mm-hmm. uh, we were still pretty, I don't know about you, but I was still feeling the effects of 9-11 mm-hmm. politically, I don't know, societally, just things, Yeah. I, you know, it was sort of like all of that. And, you know, I was pretty pessimistic anyway, but. Yeah, I was like, well, I've got to be the agent for change. Like, this is why I want to do this work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that resonated that the professor, when he said that, uh, resonated so deeply for me that I was like, yes, let's go help people. Right. And I felt that that was the way to help. Yeah. And I was, it was honestly, it was selfish. Like, I, not selfish, it was like just self centered it was too much about me and not enough about being with people Yeah. rather than trying to fix people. Yeah. And ish. saying that out loud feels a bit gross. <laughs>
1: yeah. I the concept that you've laid out here though, the empathy versus compassion, labeling it the way that you've labeled it, is transformative to like staying away from that burnout feeling
2: mm-hmm.
1: because I mean, I know that for myself, like I am right there with you, like so empathetic, really feel like that's like my gold star to being a good therapist. Right. And yeah, hearing that definition and that comparison is like, yeah, actually, like that really just leaves me feeling super depleted and less able to help well. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was sort of like a, I don't know, like a slap in the face with a wet fish. Just like a, oh, wake up, Ben. Yeah. Like this is, this is not what you think it is like that gold star cuz i feel exactly like that like i i i was so proud when i got that result on on the strengths finder and i got empathy i'm like literally this is really kind of feeling i feel queasy just saying this oh, but i looked around the room I looked around the room and I was looking for the people I thought in our master's program. I was looking around going, who else got empathy as number one? Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. But I also, that was like, I want to say less than a year. After I was denied. And then accepted at the last minute to come into the master's program, Mm -hmm. which was, I, I regularly forget how devastating that was like regularly and still like emotionally. I sit here going, I have to prove myself.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And that, Getting empathy was just like that number one on the Clifton Shrinks Finder. I'm looking around the room going, yeah, yeah, what, what now? Right. And God, I was, it was so insecure. And I guess looking back at it now, I feel like I feel the pain of that person. Right. Looking back, Mm -hmm. going, oh, he is hurting. Mm -hmm comparing himself and wanting to ultimately find value by demeaning other people. Like, even if it's like super passive and nuanced, it's still passive aggressive. Like, yeah, I bet you didn't get it. I bet you didn't get it. (laughs) I would really Uh, like to go back and
1: look at my results and see now if that was also my number one. I don't
0: know if it was or not. Oh, can I be honest? Yeah. Can I be honest? Yeah. And I I guess I want to apologize for this too. You were one of the ones I was like, yeah, she didn't get empathy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sarah, I'm sorry. I was. Okay.
1: <sighs> we're We're all just doing our best, you know?
0: Yeah. Yes. And. There's there's two things here. There's two things. Absolutely understand that. And I don't feel, I feel the like temptation to feel very ashamed of myself mm-hmm. for what I did. Mm-hmm. And I also am like, I'm human. And I've thought I have, I, I, there are times where I felt like I wasn't.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I'm above that. Kind of behavior, mm-hmm. and it was all denial yeah. I mean it literally and I and I the reason i I share it one is because not to not to just out myself as an asshole um and to say something provocative for this podcasts you know at your expense, but One, I think that we've, we've talked about this before, and I just haven't said how I like those thoughts I don't want to share with anybody
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and how it's not your problem. It's mine. Anyways, that was 10 years ago.
1: I mean, there's also a lot of ownership on my end that 10 years ago, I'm sure I had a certain air about me that maybe did not come across as (laughs) empathetic, which is. I can own why you would think that.
0: Oh, there was that. (laughs) And my interpretation of it like, I was unwilling, I was unwilling to get to know you at that time. And we. Uh, It got proved wrong when I got to know you. Yeah. And And I am glad that I got proved wrong. I'm also glad to share this now because even though I'm like, here, let's air out dirty laundry. I honestly wonder how often we graduate from these programs as professional helpers, be it counseling, social work, nursing, that we we leave with a savior complex Mm -hmm. and honestly, a big pride in what we've learned Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and what we know because it sets us apart from other people. I don't know of any therapist or any nurse for that matter Mm -hmm. who goes around talking about their profession with their family, say at like family get-togethers, where they don't get a question about some sort of thing about their expertise. Mm-hmm. Hey, look at this boil, or like, hey, hey uh, you're an expert on depression, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyways, I wonder how how many people are like me, who take really um, take their work extremely seriously, who want to be the best uh want to be at their best and i so i um, am that's not me qualifying i wanted to be the best
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i wanted to be at my best mm-hmm. that's inherently competitive between each other and i wonder how many people leave their their masters programs feeling really proud of themselves and arrogant mm-hmm. And looking at this whole profession, like I'm going to go make a difference
2: mm-hmm.
0: and taking it just a little, taking themselves a little too seriously mm-hmm. and being a little too arrogant.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What I see looking back now is that I wasn't seeing myself as a human being first. Right. I wasn't loving myself. I, wa- I was striving to prove myself and to get my licensures, get my certifications and set myself apart from everyone else. Like I had to compete with my fellow professionals mm-hmm. and yeah, that, that was, that looking back, I'm, I'm sad for that. Yeah. That kid. Yeah. Um, I think that like Competitiveness
1: and pridefulness could be like a whole nother topic all on its own because absolutely so much there
0: particularly i th- I think I'm right because like i've I've taught some master's courses and I've seen how <laughs> masters students behave yeah and I've also seen myself and you for that matter be like the Hermione Granger in the class raising their hand going, Ooh, pick me, pick me, pick me. I know, I know, I know. Like I want to be the best. I am the best. Who else got empathy? Mm-hmm. You didn't get empathy. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yes, yeah. I, maybe that should be our next conversation. Yeah. Com- competition.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> Among us helpers, which honestly, how can we be connected if there's competition like that, right? Because I, I think competition is fine, but uh, it we need perspective. Mm-hmm. We need to be generous with one another.
2: Yeah,
0: in our competition. Um, yeah,
1: I think this whole concept is mind blowing and fascinating, and something that like needs to be taught to people Um, because I think empathetic people are drawn to helping professions. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And without this like really important distinction and how to remain kind of like in yourself. Yeah. Is so important to decrease that burnout that we see in helping professions really across the board. So I love this conversation
0: awesome well thanks for being here with us today and um, Sarah thank you for being here as well Blakely we missed you can't wait to have you back if you have any questions or any comments about this hit us up on Instagram at being the work you can also email us being the work at gmail.com invite you all to reach out to us we'd love to hear from you all right thanks Sarah Thanks.